Welcome to the latest episode of a brief series of oral history interviews with the trailblazers and pioneers who were instrumental in establishing the Franklin H. Williams Judicial Commission. Each of the recordings is an excerpt of an interview conducted in preparation for a documentary on the life of Franklin Williams. In recognition of the 30th anniversary of the commission, the co-chairs, Justices Shirley Trauman and Troy Weber, and Executive Director Mary Lynn Nicholas Brewster, decided to post excerpts that describe the early days and the challenges of the commission. Today's program features the Honorable Juanita Bing Newton, an original member of the commission, who reveals the tension between the court system and the commission and the independence demanded by Franklin H. Williams. I'm John Carr, Senior Advisor for Strategic and Technical Communications. Well, I met uh, Ambassador Williams, and that's what we always called him, the ambassador. He was very, I, I think, pleased about being an ambassador, having that opportunity to serve, and that was the nature of, uh, of Franklin. He was always proud of the service that he offered throughout his career, so I always called him ambassador. Um, and I met him at the first meeting of the newly formed Minority in the Courts Committee. And uh, it's the first time I ever even heard of Ambassador Williams, quite frankly, and, and questioned who is this guy and why is he being brought in uh, to address these issues? Because he was sort of an outsider to the court system. He didn't know a lot about the state courts. We didn't know a lot about him. Uh, but that first meeting was, was, was very telling of what we were to expect in the ensuing months. Um, he was a visionary. Uh, he uh, was smart in that he asked a lot of questions. Um, he didn't really know the state system, so it was sort of an adventure for him to learn about the system so that we can learn about the problems within the system. Um, but he was fiercely independent. Uh, he understood uh, that it was only through an independence that you could get to the not root of the problem, but the truth of the issues that we were going to encounter. Um, so at one meeting, either the first or the second, he announced that we were not going to take one red penny from the unified court system. He felt very strongly uh, on the issue of how can we do a serious, thoughtful, truthful review, top to bottom review of the of the court system here in New York State if they were paying us to do it. So obviously he had an ambitious dual agenda for us. We had the one agenda of having a top to bottom review of the court system and the place of minorities in the system here in New York State. And we had to figure out how to pay for it. And I found him to be very strategic. Um, he, he could hone in and discern the issues. He could look at the pros and the cons. As I said, he asked a lot of questions. Um, and he was always looking for the solution to the problem. Um, but I think uh, the more he got involved in looking at the place of minorities in our court system, the more shocked he was uh, and surprised. Um, that the status of minorities in our court system was so troubling. Um, and, and we were not in a good place. 
Sanders? Well, I think the first time I met him, I referred to the fact that he had this dual agenda. He was willing to push the strategy. He wanted to say, I'll, I'll investigate you at your invitation, but I'm going to do it with my rules, my standard, with my money, and this way I can push the envelope and I won't be limited. I won't dance around things that look difficult or um, untouchable. Everything is on the table, and we're going to call it as we see it. That's a very bold strategy to say we're going to uncover whatever we're going to uncover, and you're going to have to deal with it because we're not linked to you for our money, for our salaries, for you know paper to write our decisions. Um, and he did this, I think, boldly because no one knew what was going to come out of this. Um, and... Um, and I don't know if anybody was really afraid um, to, to, of that prospect. Whatever, we know that the chief judge gave him full reign because those were the commission, those were the ambassador's condition. I will do it, but I'm not going to whitewash anything. I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to uh, let anything be off limits. Uh, we're going to look at the whole kit and caboodle. That's uh, whether. I don't know if he ever thought about the issue uh, if we would win or lose these battles. I think that his focus was let's find out what the landscape is. What are the. He was willing to open the Pandora's box if there was one. He was willing. And he said, for this right, I will raise the money to do it. This is an important issue. He accepted the challenge as one that was very important. And I think he accepted the challenge as one that was very important, not only because of the place of minorities within the system, but he was very focused on justice. It was, it was going to be for the benefit of minorities. That was not the articulated rationale, I think, for him, but that it was a benefit for justice, period, the court system, period. And, should, and, and, and minorities' place may be a way to define whether the system is fair or not, whether it works or not, whether it's just or not. Um, but I think that his focus was as much a, clearly on minor, the status of minorities in the system, but the end game was, is this system going to be fair? And I think that's why it wasn't about blacks only, because he was African-American, but about all people. I think if you read the report, some of the references just are referring to poor people. Um, that, you know, it wasn't uh, 2016 when we're talking about the 1%. It was about poor people. The report where it talks about the so-called ghetto courts was the place where uh, he found it shocking that the courts which were used primarily by poor and black and brown and minority uh, litigants were in disastrous shape, whereas the court for the more wealthy, um, the commercial divisions uh, and the like were more um, elegant, more comfortable, more appropriate for the treatment of people in general where you're in a building of justice. You know, the ambassador had his standards, but I think Chief Judge Walker had his as well. And I think the two of them came to an agreement that the chief judge wanted to see, hear someone tell him what, what his court were look like. What was the, the, the relationship between 
the court system. And you know, we in the court system, we reverence the courts. We have very high expectations of courts. We have very a high understanding of the good that comes out of courts. And we quite frankly don't understand the complaints of people who say, but the court system is this and the court system is that. When you read um, reports on public trust and confidence in courts, if you're a, a person who manages the court, you're almost shocked because we think that we're doing a good job. But I think the chief judge um, had embraced the women in the courts uh, report and was working towards addressing some of those issues and was equally, and, 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 the, and the sky didn't fall, uh, that he was willing to say, well, let's, let's, um, let's, let's peel another layer and let's find out what is it that, what's our status and what can we do about it. So, you know, Judge Walker is certainly to be commended for that.